Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 141 of the Lift Free and Diet Art podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. You may hear it in my voice. I'm a little under the weather, but I can still record podcast episodes. I've done this before. Um, back, of, well, God, almost three years ago now, I had a good case of COVID. and Actually, it was two years ago, and I still managed to record a handful of episodes. But uh, I'm good enough to go, and I've got my buddy, Paulie Campbell, on today. He's my guest. I'm actually really excited we chat lots off air, but it's good to get him on air. I want to share him with you guys. And he's a trainer, nutrition coach, a bodybuilder, a whole bunch more. Welcome to the show, bro. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, you know, it's you, these small world moments are fantastic. And, and just to kind of give people that are listening some context, Andrew and I we have been in contact uh, for over a year, well over a year. And uh He's one of the, the individuals in the fitness industry that you you want to know. If you don't know him, you want to follow him, you want to get to know him, you want to reach out to him. And I remember the first uh, Raise the Bar conference that I signed up for was this past March in Dallas. And I'll never forget it. I went with the VIP package. Like the lineup of speakers was spectacular. And I remember sitting at my my spot and I look over and Andrew's standing there looking at me and he introduced himself to me immediately and it's, it's absolutely refreshing because I think, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, even a couple of years ago, that type of uh, hospitality was, was something that I think was pretty sparse throughout the fitness industry. So that really kind of gave me uh, some faith in humanity and in the fitness industry and, and more importantly, to, to pick and choose and be selective about who I surround myself with. So thank you, Andrew. I consider you a, a friend, a mentor, a business coach, and uh, I'm excited to, to be on your podcast today. Well, I appreciate the kindness. I like that. I mean, already try to flip it around to make it about me, but this is about you. So, and and exactly, we did get to hang out in person at Raise the Bar. Raise the Bar was incredible. I mean, I, I certainly believe there's a really strong correlation between coaches who make the effort to immerse themselves in those kind of environments. And I know that it's not necessarily easy. Some people travel is a very big deal, but I've definitely seen when you immerse yourself in those kind of environments, you connect with more people, you see what different people are doing. And I think one of those things is, is you get exposed to how other coaches build and run their businesses. And, and you had some thoughts that you want to share about, you know, what are your strategies for developing a thriving business model, both, you know, kind of your own organic way of doing it, but also, you know, things that you've been inspired by others. Yeah. So I think it all kind of boils back to, or, or it gets thrown back to graduate school and I won't take, you know, I, I was a division one rugby athlete. And so that's really when I got into fitness, you know, my, my very, very early twenties, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. And that kind of molded my perception of fitness. And I had the opportunity through undergraduate work and graduate work um, to kind of experience and be exposed to different training methodologies, different facilities, how they're run, such as like the YMCA's uh, school campus. Uh, facilities and then you know big bougie and posh clubs uh adventure 212 was was the club i trained at in, in graduate school fantastic facility and just you know getting a flavor for the different type of clientele different you know personalities of members different training methodologies by observing other trainers interacting with them during you know coach meetings or trainer meetings and just really getting a, a solid foundation for what it's like to work in the trenches and, you know, social media was was pretty, I would say, on the up and up back then in 2009, 10, 11, et cetera. But I don't think it was as prominent or as magnified as it is today in terms of how we can use it to 
um, scale our business or create more awareness around what we do individually. And, you know, one of the biggest takeaways I got from my experience from, you know, undergrad graduate school to today is, I think there's this perception, you know, if you look at your algorithm and, and the ads that you might be bombarded with on social media, if you can sift through some of the nonsense, you know, we'll scale your business to 30,000 this month if you're making 5,000. A lot of empty promises that sound too good to be true. And I go back to the track record of people who've been successful. They have started in the trenches in the fitness industry. I remember starting at the YMCA. I scrubbed treadmills with a toothbrush. I filled sanitizer bottles, filled stations with, you know, paper towel. I helped orient people to the fitness facility, et cetera. So I literally made pennies on the dollar as my start in my fitness career. And I think that's so important because it tests one's desire to make this a lifelong career, but it also gives you a greater appreciation and, 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 and the ability to have more gratitude as you kind of go through your different seasons, through your fitness and, and nutrition journey, whether that's for yourself or helping, you know, customers or clients in person or online. And so you know, I think it's important to immerse yourself in as many opportunities as possible, regardless of pay, to kind of get them, I call it a mixed bag of what things you like, what things you don't like, uh, to kind of navigate your own personal compass as to which direction you want to go and how big you want to be as a, as a, how big you want your business to be per se. Uh, and there's no right or wrong answer. And I think people have this perception that you know, you need to, to win the internet over Jonathan Goodman, um, who's that raised the bar. I, I know you know him well. He, he's such a great influence and, and a, a positive individual in this industry. And I remember one post and it sticks with me. People are trying to win the internet over and it's really not hard to make a six figure income if you have 30 clients that are paying 300 plus dollars a month. And if you break that down to a micro level, everybody can do that in their own community. You know, regardless of your population, I'm in uh, Clancy, Montana, which is an outer, I don't even want to call it a suburb, unincorporated. My gym is in Montana City, but Helena is like 30,000 people. It's not huge. We have 12 gyms um, with a, a, you know, crossbreed of, you know, CrossFit gyms, health clubs, uh, Planet Fitness is in our community. So there's a lot of different opportunities to become integrated within your health. And <laughs> I still go back to like watching these new trainers in the area, just like they're, they're jumping over, they're jumping over these large hurdles and they're getting frustrated and they wonder why they're not being as successful as they could be. And it's really about getting out and networking, getting to know people within your, 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 your micro environment and building that reputation and then start to scale. So you have this core nucleus of, of who you are and how you became who you are and people who know you. Um, every time I go out in public, people know me. Now that's because of course I'm, you know, six foot four retired professional bodybuilder, but I have long hair and a beard. So I'm, I stand out for the most part um, in Montana, but, uh, and I want to say I have a good reputation, um, you know, even with clients that have decided not to work with me because maybe it wasn't a good fit, but it's really about, exposing yourself to different areas of the industry in all forms and variations to to help mold you where you want to be now but where you want to be in the future and so to kind of give you a a, a a brief timeline here i started you know like i said at the bottom of the barrel cleaning and and, and you know giving orientations etc 
And now I opened, I have my own private training facility. We're going on year three, I believe. And uh, I opened it in the middle of COVID. <laughs> and people were like, that's pretty risky. Well, if you looked at what the, what the economy was doing, they were, you know, they were putting some pretty heavy restrictions in place. And I'm like, well, I don't have a place to train anymore other than my garage. And I had limited equipment and I have my thumb on some equipment that would possibly be in a little bit, you know, quicker than, than the average, you know, individual who might order some stuff. And I'm like, you know, I can, I can control who comes in here and who, who doesn't let's, let's do it. So I opened a facility and I shared the space and originally with, with one of my buddies, Andrew, who owns his own shirt company. And uh, in six months, we both outgrew it. It was crazy. And uh, so it was kind of a pivoting point. Uh, you know, he decided, I think at one point, you know, that, you know, he needed more space and he wanted to be closer to his house because he was about an hour away. And I'm only 12 minutes. I don't hit a stoplight on my way to work. I hit one stop sign, um, roll Montana for you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a huge blessing. And my facility continues to maintain the uh, private by appointment only uh, model for a number of reasons, uh, you know, and, and, and part of my decision making process regarding how I function is simply because I've been exposed to every different business model under the sun. And, you know, I looked at, I kind of was evaluating, you know, how I wanted to grow and I'm continuing to grow in different areas. But if someone came to me and said, if you could double, you know, your space and, and increase your revenue by 50 to 100 grand, I still wouldn't be interested because the, the risk to reward for me is, is considerably different. Sure, would it be nice to make more money? Yeah, but I've also, you know, I have a business background and a finance background. So I set myself up where I, you know, I don't have to worry about paying for equipment. Everything is covered and I've been very fiscally responsible. And for me, it's about continuing to maintain my values as to why I moved to Montana. Um, I retired from professional bodybuilding back in 2020 after world championships. I had been competing for just around two decades. Wonderful sport. Um, I still love it. I just don't prefer to, to compete anymore. And, you know, I, I, I just, I want to spend time in the mountains. I want to mountain bike. I fell, fell in love with mountain biking. I did a mountain biking race uh, back in March in Northern Wisconsin called the Birkebiner. It was a 50K. It was a fat tire race. And so kind of how this plays into evolving as an individual is, you know, how you start out in the fitness industry will absolutely shape the direction you go, but you likely won't be the same person um, or maybe even have the same values perhaps as you did when you first were exposed. And that's okay. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, they have a very difficult time when they come to that crossroads or that intersection as to identifying, you know, you know, I've identified with this one specific silo in my life and I don't know where I'm going to go from here. And so I think just kind of being open and accepting the fact that it's okay to change throughout your career is, is, is probably going to be important. And I have no regrets. Like I look back and I'm like, you know, I've, I've had plenty of failures, but I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't have those failures. So, you know, take opportunities, whether it's working with another organization, um, whether that's online or whether that's, you know, in a brick and mortar uh, facility and, and, you know, work for them for more than, you know, a year, you know, put some time and effort into it, find out the business model, find out how they operate. And you'll pick up on things you like and you'll pick up on things you don't like. One of the, 
the biggest lessons I learned when I was in graduate school was, you know, the, the trainer split. Everybody, everybody listening to this, if you're a trainer at a gym, you all are uh, kind of exposed to this trainer split. And that split is varied. A certain percentage goes to the trainer, a certain percentage goes to the facility. And at the time, you know, we all think we're worth more than we are. And I'm not saying that people aren't worth what they say they're worth. But what you have to understand is if you're working for a brick and mortar facility, they've got millions of dollars invested in equipment, in a building, in memberships, in exposure to, you know, current, you know, potential future customers. And so they're taking the risk and you're really not taking a huge risk because you're, you're taking up space and you're offering a service for their clientele. So that was one of the things that kind of snapped me back in my place in, in reality very early on in my career. And I see, you know, that same mistake being made with even veteran trainers to this day or novice trainers is, you know, not going through, not going through the paces essentially, if that makes sense. It does. There's, there's so much within what you just said that I think is, is valid. I think coaches often are in a big hurry <clears throat> to grow following and grow social media. And I think getting savvy with social media skills early in your career and documenting what you're doing, I think that's a wonderful idea. But you can look at, uh, for me, I worked for the commercial gym for six years, which when I first started there, which would have been, God, 2010, you know, again, social media wasn't really a big thing. I started posting on Facebook a lot, I think, before most of the coaches that I knew were. And and I used Facebook carefully to, you know, make a, if I ran into someone, acquainted with someone, met someone, I would add them to Facebook. And a lot of people try to keep their Facebook very private, separate from the career. And what it allowed me to do on top of, you know, staying busy within that gym environment and getting all of the benefits you described was it allowed me to grow a wider referral network, a local reputation, a city of about a million people, um, more so than most other coaches. So for a very long time, I had a really strong, and still to this day, have a very strong word of mouth local presence, which is really key. So there, anybody who's come across my media or sees the fact that, you know, Instagram certainly is big. I've been doing this podcast for a while. These things are luxuries. And the thing that has always fed my business has been that the stability of referral business that has continuously come in, uh, you know, the, the local word of mouth and also renewal business, keeping my clientele long-term. And that has allowed me to play around with online media based stuff, which has grown, which has turned into some of the things like the public speaking and, and the writing opportunities. But those things didn't set me up to be busy. I was already secure and busy because I spent years in the gym and there's a trade-off. You you implied this, but I'll make it sort of explicit. You're developing skills. And you sacrifice earning potential for experience and skills. Sales skills being a very key part of them. Obviously, the training stuff. And if your gym is an environment where you fed a lot of clients early, which mine was, I became self-sufficient quite quickly. But you know, I value the early, I, I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to step into my own facility. No one knows who I am day one and fill up my roster, right? I just simply that would have been impossible. So I'm both grateful for the time at the commercial gym. And I think there's a sort of weird thing now where you'll get people who are usually older guard who will say, oh, you need to train a minimum of five years in person before you've earned the right to go online. And that's gatekeeping. I, that stuff's 
there, there's a bit of truth within something that no longer actually works. So if we're going to get on with that kind of stuff, we're really, you know, the newer trainer who expects to go online right away isn't going to listen to you. So the alternative is, well, why don't we actually serve as thought leaders and role models and maybe even a direct mentor to the coaches that are entering the industry so that way they can learn those skills, they can do it with integrity. I absolutely believe that you will be a much better online coach if you have a substantial amount of experience coaching people in person. I think you will. And I think there are people who, because they've achieved some sort of notoriety with their physique online, completely skip the step of coaching people in person. And I don't think that works for most people. I think that could be a mistake. But at the same time, it's not my job to police those people. If those people are going to go that path, then then so be it. I'm more interested in influencing the coach that does want to do it, uh, get as experienced and as skilled as possible. So I think that we have to get off of some of the gatekeeping language. But I, I still do believe that coaches, I understand, I mean, I'm 45. So I'm I'm a Gen X. Our generation is a different mentality than the millennial generation or the iGen. And people will often criticize or complain about millennials and iGen. But here's a better way to frame it. Millennials and iGen, on average, aren't willing to suffer some of the bullshit that gets disguised as paying your dues. And they're more interested in making an impact sooner. They want to feel like what they're doing is actually you know doing good. And if we look at it through that lens, then, okay, how can we facilitate those people to be able to, to grow and flourish early? Whereas my generation was a little bit more willing to put your head down and just suck it up and, and do the work for a longer period of time. And I think if you can merge those two attitudes, I think you get kind of a sweet spot of willingness to learn the skills, but not be in such a rush that you're driven by some of the things that I think get we get wrong, like the status of having a large social media following, which I, I like to highlight because I want coaches to, to, to get off of the craving for it. And if you're willing to work really hard and build incredible foundations, media, uh, long-form resources, and a business that's successful, and a following grows as a result of it, as a byproduct of it, wonderful, because you're media savvy, wonderful. Look at that as a way to share more good information and help more people. But if you're craving it just because you think that there's something that comes with it, that people all of a sudden will treat you in a different way, then you're thinking about it the wrong way. And I always like to redirect people, be of service to the clients in front of you. And and I, I still think that you're going to do the best job of that possible if you're willing to gain the experience by working with people one-on-one. -on -one. 100%. And I, you know, that I've, I've been an online coach for you know, just around under 10 years. And I didn't start getting into the online space after I had, you know, substantial time under my belt working with people with one-on-one. -on -one. And they're they're similar, but they're vastly different because you, you get more of the, the intimate connection in person with a client. You feel what they feel a little bit more heavily because you're in their presence, they're in your presence. Um, you know, <laughs> I'll always say this, you know, I, I think I should go back and get some sort of a, a, a therapy license or degree because, you know, honestly, when, when you start to work with people, it's not adjusting food and adding more steps. It's looking at the, the big spectrum in, in their unique individual situation, whether it's a single mom of four, whether it's a working mom, 
whether it's a, a husband wife working together, you know, working, you know, running a business. So you have to kind of be a chameleon and adapt to each client's individual situation to really, you know, provide the, the best coaching experience possible. And, and that's very difficult to do online if you haven't had that in-person experience with people. And those of you who are listening to this who have, you know, provided services in either of those buckets are probably nodding your head. Um, you know, there, I'll give you an example. When I was in, in grad school, uh, I had a, a session with a client and she came in and really, really fit individual. You know, she was, I, I really enjoyed working with her because she's a hard worker and, you know, didn't leave any stone unturned and just very capable. And I remember, you know, the session didn't even start and she was in tears because she was going through some very, uh, you know, personable things at that particular time that have been kind of festering for a while. And so that session ended up being sitting down and, and listening, just simply listening and, and maybe asking a few questions and, you know, just to, to kind of, you know, spark a little bit of curiosity, but not getting too nosy. And, and of course, because you've built that relationship in person over time, it's a safe space for that client to, to kind of, uh, you know, perhaps be vulnerable. So if, uh, if you're thinking it's all rainbows and, and pots of gold at the end of the, the online coaching, and it's a, it's a quick, uh, quick way to get uh, wealthy, it's, it's certainly you will be in for a rude awakening. And your client retention will show for it because it will absolutely suffer. <clears throat> Sooner or later, you're going to figure it out. The human skills are the most valuable ones. And if we, you know, like, and I'm, I binge continuing education and lately I've been doing more than usual, but you know, there's only so much you're going to ultimately learn past a certain point when it comes to nutrition, the training methodologies that are going to move the needle on the success of your career. But the, the well that I think is, is going to, if you go really deep on it, that's really going to pay dividends is, is the human side of stuff is the coaching stuff is the understanding things like, you know, shame and guilt and all these complex human emotions that go on that affect uh, the way that people respond to this stuff. Yep. Now you have recently had a major pivot. So you are going out on your own when it comes to the online space of things. You still have a physical facility. What are you working on? Yeah. So I'm uh it's really exciting actually. So I'm working on I partnered with Uncommon Wellness. The founder and owner is Abby DeGraff. So if you if you don't know her, go look under my stories or or just simply look in my bio. The, the link is there. And we we have been talking for an extensive period of time, and we got connected through a buddy of mine, Will Noche. Uh, small world moment. Uh, she lives in Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin originally for the 30 years out of my 39 years of my life. And what was interesting is immediately when we started talking, you know, when you have a connection with somebody. And so that was really promising. And, and we shared similar values, a similar direction that we wanted to go, who we wanted to help, uh, things that we were, you know, kind of already working on individually, but uh, we both understood that the power of scaling when you have the right people in place. And so we, you know, we, we had a lot of long, you know, phone conversations, texting, emails, like it was just, it was quite a, quite a cool experience. So at any rate, Uncommon Wellness is, is an online coaching platform where 
we're, we're focusing on not only transforming bodies, but the, the minds and the health of individuals. And we, we work a lot with, with females. It's a one-stop shop. So regardless of your season regarding your health and fitness as a, as a female, uh, it's a really wonderful place to kind of get an all-inclusive experience and journey to get you to where you'd like to be. And so just some things that in terms of our storefront that, that I'd like to talk about is, of course, we're doing the premium one-on-one coaching. Um, we have uh, our own app, which is fantastic. So everything is streamlined. We have uh, an uncom it's called the Uncommon Academy. And right now we're still working on kind of sifting out some of the details in terms of, you know, coursework, um, small group offerings, et cetera. So more things are going to be, uh, you know, coming out with that. And we'll probably podcast on that down the road. And then what we have, uh, what I'm really excited to talk about is I've been tasked with doing the, what's called the strength school and bringing that back to life. And really, uh, by Abby and I partnering, we've got a couple of the fantastic team members. We've got, uh, Kinsey and Kristen and, we're breathing life back into this because now we have the right people in place to do so. And the strength school app is, is going to be basically an online subscription for or a subscription for the app where you will be offered a two day a week at home workout, two full body days. You'll be offered a three day workout, three day a week, three day a week workout at home. Uh, you'll also be offered three days a week at the gym and four days a week at the gym. And all of those uh, training blocks will be updated monthly by myself. And so, you know, if you're, maybe it's, you know, not economically feasible to invest in a one-on-one trainer or maybe premium coaching, we've made this very affordable for people to, you know, to essentially have access to improving their health. Now, the key factor that I want to mention here is we are not novelty. The objective as a strength school is to simply build your strength and your lean body mass. So increase muscle hypertrophy, of course which who wouldn't want to have some more muscle and also boost confidence because you're going to be challenged by some of the exercises in there. And you're going to be challenged because it's going to be, of course, mentally uh, difficult and physically difficult week to week. So that strength school is, is, has been an excellent catalyst to, uh, you know, reaching a larger uh, clientele because it is, you know, it's a little bit less expensive and it opens the door for more, more individuals, of course. And um, I'm, I'm just really excited to share that with everybody. And it's been fun to put together. We've been beta testing it for the past few weeks. We've got a, you know about a half dozen uh, individuals beta testing this for us to give us feedback, what they like, what they don't like, what they'd like to see more of. And so that's that's kind of where I'm at. So you know, shout out to Abby DeGraff for, for inviting me to be part of her incredible brand. And it, it's been a, such a pleasant experience. And I'm really excited to see where we're going to be in the next, you know, 18 months because we've got some other things that I'm not going to talk about right now that are on the back burner, but uh, they're irons in the fire and they're going to be coming out hot here. What you're talking about is something I think more and more coaches are interested in learning about is I, I'm a big believer in not getting away from the one-on-one -on -one in the gym floor. It's something me and Lee Boyce talk a lot about. We had a recent episode about this, about like you can literally be the trainer on the floor for your entire career. It's not like there is a progression where you are supposed to graduate out of training people in person, right? Or, or having a physical facility. But it's also okay if someone decides they want to go fully online. But you're talking about having offerings that are individualized, which are going to be higher price points, and something that is more of a group-based program, which makes high-quality training 
accessible to a larger group of people. Bailey and I do that with our Forever Strength program. And we've actually really enjoyed it. That's been quite successful. And a lot of the stuff that we see out there, I mean, I have friends who do a really, really good job ethically with four-week challenges and that, you know, a lot of their marketing language is about, you know, summer shreds or blah, 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 what have you. I, I've had a big shift in attitude about this stuff because I think a lot of coaches like to shoot down challenges and say, oh, 30-day 30 30 challenges are rubbish, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, some of the best people I know in the industry are doing this sort of thing. And they're also educating people as they go. They're providing a high quality experience. And the goal is not to, all right, that's it at the end of it. It's okay, well, you can continue to do them. And the price point is something that's really affordable. So I've had a shift about this sort of stuff. And, and I find that when coaches spend most of their time being really negative about what other coaches are doing, that to me is a signal that those coaches themselves are unfulfilled. They're unsuccessful in some way, shape or form. They feel entitled to the clients and the success and the status that they think other people have when I want people to redirect their energy into how do I build me? How do I build my brand? How do I build my business? How do I develop these essential skills? So that way I'm not worried about policing, you know, what some other coaches saying on, on the internet, right? If that makes sense. Now we know that there are bad faith actors. We know that, right? And I'm all about the real charlatans being, you know, called out. I'm fine with that stuff. But when it comes to battles over, you know, nuances of ideology and people who are building, one of my biggest pet peeves is when we see people building status within a tribal ideological echo chamber, and then they attack other people who aren't playing by their rules. And I've seen plenty of this stuff. I First of all, a lot of coaches are scared of this shit. Recognize this crap for what it is. Do not play those people's games. Do not, do not capitulate to their nonsense. Do not feed them. Basically, you can ignore them. You can stop them in their tracks and call them out on what they're doing and just say, I'm not I'm not participating. I did this with a coach who was pulling this crap, had distorted something that I posted, which was completely innocuous. And I said, I, I declined to participate in an argument over something that I neither said nor implied was my response. And that was the end of that. They, they had nothing to come back with. And it's it's very real to be scared about what people are going to say online relative to what you you're going to post. Don't worry about those people. They're 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 not the issue. Worry about serving the people who actually need your help. That's probably the yeah. best course right there. Okay, because those the people who are criticizing you or or theoretic you think are going to because it's not nearly going to be as common as you think. Those people are not paying your bills. Okay, and they are not your supporters. So you have to tune them out, mute them if you have to. You can restrict people on Instagram. It's a wonderful tool. You get people being idiots, restrict them. You can get rid of stupid comments. And I'm not saying, you know, if someone comes at it in good faith and has a differing of opinion, you know, you can have a discussion there. That's an opportunity to learn. But when we have people who are acting in bad faith, that's it. You you don't, it, it's a very bad habit to ignore the people who are supporting you, both in your mind and in interaction with them and only fixate on the negative and the people who are coming in being, you know, creating problems. And if that's what it takes to get your attention, then you start arguing with them or discussing with them or trying to prove things to them, then that's, that's a slap in the face of the people who support you. So spend the time and the energy on the people who are your supporters. Okay. And I agree hundred percent. And I'll, I'm going to kind of go back to, to the beginning of, of your, uh, your discussion here, talking about, 
you know, perhaps being a little bit more dogmatic toward those challenges. And and I'll be the first to admit, I remember I've made posts on how I think they're they're malarkey and how they don't. You know, 75 hard specifically, I think that was one of them that I bashed a while back. You know, and and maybe I had a bad day or something like that. And but my mindset has completely shifted in the last, you know, couple of years. Um specifically because a lot of times those challenges are the 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 start of a blueprint for somebody wanting to make a change. And we actually are in week three of our habit challenge with Uncommon Wellness. And we have a, a circle community, which is uh, obviously for participants and members. We have uh, hundreds of people in there. And it's really cool to see the, the victories, but also to help people that want to be helped. You know, I, there was this one one post by a, by a gal and she was really, you know, disheartened because, you know, one of the days or two of the days they didn't make their steps. So I chimed in with some some encouragement and maybe a way to look at it through a different lens. And it she smashed the next week with her step goal. And it's it's incredible the, the power you have when you apply it in the areas that have the most meaningful impact. And to kind of jump to the next lily pad talking about those little those echo chambers, I would hate to be getting into fitness right now. Because if you go on social media, you either told you have to be in a fat loss phase or that, you know this is bad for you. Or then you see like these different tribes battling back and forth on the nuance of particular exercise setups for, for different muscle groups. And I'm not saying those don't have a time or place, but for the vast majority of the population, they don't. And so there's a couple options here. If that doesn't serve you as, a, as an individual, then don't follow it. Don't pay attention to it. But to your point, Andrew is, you know, calling out other people for a different viewpoint. I, I, I think people, I think certain individuals and i think you know you and i probably have a good idea of, of, of some individuals that, that we're discussing here um relative to the context i think people just want to be right and it's like being right doesn't help anybody being right creates more delusion and and a lack of direction for people and it can be frustrating and it's frustrating for me to see so and then to peel it down to the next layer of the onion the negative comments and this was something i really struggled with uh, the last couple of years as I started to, to grow my my social media a little bit more in terms of like being more active on there. Of course, there's always going to be, you know, exceptions where, you know, the caption length isn't going to be long enough to explain everything. Or you get somebody that tries to find a nuance just to have an opinion or they just flat out are disrespectful. And I used to take time out of my day to reply that now I just ignore it. And 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 to, to your point, I just I feed the people that want to learn that are probably customers or future customers of mine. And that's what's really most important. It can be really daunting to approach social media. And sure, as it grows, on average, you start to get a little bit more of the negative stuff. But I still find that about 99% of interactions are positive and supportive. And it's wonderful. The pe There are some people, and I actually do note the people who are constantly commenting in a positive way or, or send me messages I, you know i know to every one of them and it's always really nice and reassuring when i get that stuff and then yeah once in a blue moon i get something particularly horrendous but again you just if if somebody is behaving in a really malicious and horrendous fashion block them get rid of them end of story move on don't even entertain it um those are people if you don't antagonize them they they just forget about you. They move on. Like it's not even a big deal. So, um, 
I think that this is one of the things that makes people worry about putting themselves out there. They're very scared of it when in fact it, it's nowhere near as bad as people might think, even if, even if the ones who like magnify this stuff. So, you know, guys, please don't worry about this stuff. Okay. Get out there, be of service, share good information. And I'm another one. And I, and I do, I, I make this point in my presentations very clearly, you know, you're worried that it's all been said before, you know, by the bigger names and figures in the industry. Well, most of the people who are following you are part of your network. The goal is to become their go-to fitness person. They are probably not following Jordan Syatt or Sohi Lee or any other number of very prominent figures in our industry, but they're following you. And if you're worried because you're afraid of repeating something that Jordan said in an infographic in 2017, no one's going back to look at that stuff. But someone, my favorite response to everything is, I needed this today. And it yeah. tells me that whatever concept that I, re I reuse my own posts a lot. And when I see that, I know, okay, cool. Like that person, maybe they weren't even thinking about fitness stuff. They weren't in that place six months ago or a few years ago, or maybe it was a really bad day where they needed that little piece of wisdom. And quite frankly, as much as I don't like to try to like do the fluffiest stuff or what have you, but maybe, you know, just a, a simple piece of motivation was what that person needed today to give them a kick in the pants. And I like that you pointed out 75 hard. Our industry really has a hard on to complain about 75 hard. Who cares? Here's another thing I, I really believe in. I'm actually fine with a broad spectrum of messaging as long as there are certain boundaries, like, you know, as long as it's not, you know, aggressively shame-based or or it, it's dangerous mis misinformation. You get, you know, idiots saying things online like oatmeal is unhealthy, right? And, and um, I'll give I'll, I'll give a, sh a shout out to Lane Norton on this one. He recently did a, a video, and he he was calling out. It was it was one of these figures. I won't name him. One of these figures that's always going on with all this rubbish. Walking through a grocery store, saying that oh, oatmeal is dangerous. However, they pretty much conveniently sell some alternative on their social media or on their website. So Lane had said that he'd gotten a message. I think for, was from a psychologist. And they were working with a, a, you know, a young woman who's anorexic, very underweight, very unhealthy. And they had recently managed to get her to eat oatmeal, which was a big victory. And then she saw this post with this guy demonizing and talking about how oatmeal is dangerous. I eat, I've eaten oatmeal every morning of my life. I would say 99% of the mornings in my adult life. I'm fine. Okay. It's definitely not killing me. And because she saw this post demonizing oatmeal, she stopped. And like, this is life or death shit for this young woman. And so this, this psychologist was thanking Lane for coming out and like basically picking these battles. And I think he's one of the few people, you know, like him or not, he's one of the few people who actually manages to navigate this one. So that stuff's really serious. But when it comes to 75 hard, I find it as an example, if you don't like it, it, it's not for you. Do I think there's anything inherently dangerous about it? Certainly nothing more dangerous than the default you know, Western diet sitting on the couch, metabolically very unhealthy. No, 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 not at all. Um, do I think it's not, it, it's wrong for a lot of people? Sure do, right? Um, do I think it sets people up to fail? It can set certain people up to fail, but anything, any good for calorie counting can set some people up to fail if it's not the right thing for them, right? Uh, there, there, any manner of like, intuitive eating, I think intuitive eating is a wonderful end state to try to achieve. I, I think if we can get to intuitive eating, I think it's great. I think that for a lot of people, intuitive eating is not a realistic thing. And 
I think some people can distort it into saying, well, just trust what your body is telling you about what you need to eat. No, that's what got you in trouble in the fucking first place. Okay. <laughs> when you think about this stuff, and that's why most people are metabolically unhealthy, but also the proponents of intuitive eating are not suggesting it's just a free for all either. So that's a bit of a distortion. But point being is virtually anything can be maladaptive in the wrong hands. So we shouldn't ban all these things. We should just be a little bit more wise about, okay, self-selecting to the right messaging. I have some friends, my friend Natalia Mello, I was just on her podcast. She's been on mine. Natalia's tough love. She is no nonsense. One of my favorite quotes from Natalia is, she's, you know, starts with a new client and the new client, you know, looks at the meal plan or whatever. And is like, well, where's my cheat meal? And Natalia's response is a very blunt, what do you mean cheat meal? Your life up to this point has been a constant state of cheat meal. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Right? And, but at the same time, I think, you know, the right people will self-select to that, like that tough love, but there's still a lot of love in there. And Natalia is a very charismatic figure and she's been very successful. I, I think people need to figure out their way to the right messaging for them. And I think there's a whole bunch of people who've made a cottage industry about policing any messages they don't approve of. Ignore those people. Those people just, Fuck them. Don't even pay attention to them. They're not worth worrying about. And as far as 75 Heart is, I've never endorsed it. I've never tried it. But I bet you there are people who have probably done it and learned a lot about themselves. And I bet you there's some people who have actually completed it and really magically transformed their lives. So, you know, as long as they learn the skills to sustain some of the positive behaviors, they're probably better off. That's my philosophy, 75 hard. There are probably some people here who hate it and like to shit on it. It's become a trending yeah. thing. I'm like, I'm trying to encourage people. It's an example of a lot of things. You know, don't even worry about this stuff, right? Like different things are going to resonate with different people. All right. Yeah. We've got one more thing. We've sort of dabbled on this a little bit, but I, I really did like when you, you proposed this about understanding the idea of different seasons through which we navigate uh, for our nutrition and training. Because I think a lot of coaches and clients in particular think that training and nutrition is very linear. Now, I think there are a lot of general population people who they can actually exist in a very linear fashion for a very long time. I probably have through most of my career, but what do you mean by different seasons when you say this? Yeah. So, you know, for me, you know, I'm married. We don't have kids. We have four dogs, three dogs, um, a couple cats live in the mountains. My lifestyle now is different than it was when I started my career. You know, I was in school basically studying and lifting and eating. That was that was my life. So I could have the very binary approach to my fitness, whereas now, you know, I, there, there's a variety of glasses that need to be filled, whether that's, you know, taking the dogs for a walk, whether that running a business, you know, I have to I have to titrate my energy accordingly so I can, you know, not only care for myself, but run my business. I also have to connect with my spouse, Nikki, um, who has been a, an extreme support system with my gym and, and businesses. And so it's, for, for my situation, it's different. So, you know, working with a client, you know, 95% of my clientele base is female. And it always has been, don't know why, don't care. I work well with them. It's a wonderful experience. Most of my female clientele are working professionals with children and they're married. So their lifestyle is completely different than mine where I can piss off for a week and go sit in a fire tower and look for fires for a week and not worry about a thing where, you know, school's, school's starting up for kids right now and, and, and in the next couple of weeks. So parents are kind of getting geared up and they're trying to figure out how to call audibles within not only their nutrition, 
but their workout schedules to, to fill the glass of, you know, the needs of their children and their spouses to get their kids ready for school, get them into school. And then when they're in school, now they have to, now they're shifting back to setting a new structure and new repetition after their kids are in school. So what I mean by that is you have to be okay with, first of all, you need to have some sort of a structure for whatever season you are in. That is, I need to make that abundantly clear. So whatever that looks like for you individually, lean into that. Repetition and structure are very important, but also know that that will change depending on your individual circumstance and, and some examples that I just you know, explained to you. And, and being okay with, you know, you might go from a four or five day a week workout plan to two or three because now you're picking up kids from sports and now you have to drop off my, at my facility because they're, you know, now working with me in my sports conditioning program. So you have to be okay with, with, with simplifying, but also still prioritizing your health and, and there's no right or wrong. And I made a post about this, um, uh, the other day at the fire tower is a real, I talked about, should you get your steps or should you get your workout in? And the answer is it depends. And it's, it, there is no right or wrong answer. Maybe you do one or two sets of each exercise to, to reduce your workout duration by 20 or 30 minutes. So then you can focus after your lift and get 20 or 30 minutes of walking. In. You know, that's a huge win. That's a victory. And, and I think this, this, I think there's a lot of all or nothing mindset because we're trying to force a round peg into a, uh, 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 or a square peg, rather, into a round hole year-round. And that's just not, it's not feasible. I, I think that's probably worthwhile just letting people sit on it just to realize that, okay, cool, you have to adapt with different seasons because we're pretty much out of time here. So I wanted to make sure people knew where to find you and interact with you as well. And something I'm very, very big on is, you know, coaches to connect with the people who are on the same journey as you, who are doing cool and different things, like the, where we started with this, if they see what you're doing with your business, it may inspire them to kind of get outside of the rigid box that they may have come up through. Coming up through a commercial gym, even though I do still very much value the session model <clears throat> as I coach my clients, uh, you know, it is a rigid box and I've had to do a fair bit to escape that programming that I came came up through. It really worked for me, which actually makes it more likely for the programming to stick and become very entrenched. So guys, please go follow Polly. Okay. He's going to respond to you if you reach out to him, I promise, and build relationships there. So where do they find your social media? Yeah. So my my uh personal, which has most all of my business, is coach.poly. That's IE underscore ink. Um and then you can follow Uncommon Wellness. I have all the links to, I have two other links in my my profile that uh, will get you to Uncommon Wellness that will also get you to the website and get you to the Strength School or any other services you're looking for. So again, that's coach.poly underscore Inc. They'll find you. Guys, go follow Polly. <laughs> become a really good friend of mine. And for everybody listening, again, I really appreciate you guys continuing continuously tuning in. Uh, as you're listening to this, I will be in Newfoundland. I will just have come away from the CanFit Pro Global Conference where I'm speaking along with some of my friends like Luca, Josevar, Lee Boyce, Melody Schoenfeld, and there's a lot of great people there. And uh, hey, well, if I if I saw you there, you were present. Well, we were already talking, right? So this will be like in the future. But uh, I'm going to take a vacation, going to spend some time with family, 
And if everything goes according to plan, it is my goal to have an episode for next week. But there is a possibility I may miss a week in here just because of the vacation. So I apologize if that happens. But thanks for for tuning in. I've been pretty good about getting one every week to you guys. So, Polly, uh, appreciate your time. And for anybody listening, if you are finding this episode through Polly's Media, Go check some of my other episodes. You'll find Joey Munoz is a very good friend of Polly's, who's a recent guest. Uh, Joey is wonderful, very intelligent, very articulate. And you'll probably find a lot of other people that you look up to and enjoy across uh, all these episodes. So uh, hopefully you'll stick around. Thanks, everyone.